listen, uh, I want you to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Tonight I was going to start on a series dealing with wisdom, but honest to God, I really just felt something different. And um, I really feel like we're entering into a season here at VC to where the spiritual gifts are going to emerge um, at a different level. How many believe that you can hear from the Lord? Amen. So how many have heard from the Lord? How many know this man we call Jesus? Amen. And he speaks to us and he's living in us. He's a living hope. And I want to talk tonight about the giftings of the spirit. And we're going to start tonight with defining what the prophetic is, how it looks, how it functions, how we can position ourselves to hear from the Lord. What is the nature of prophetic ministry in contrast to the old covenant model and the new covenant model? There's a difference. Um, and I do want to take us, I was actually at a birthday party earlier today and I was talking with another pastor and one of the things we was discussing is that the church has to get back to teaching the gospel. A lot of our churches are nothing more than life coach sessions. It's just life coaching. And this generation is in dire need of the gospel, learning your Bible you won't fall prey to deception if you know your Bible. And, you know, oftentimes, oftentimes what happens, um, I always have people come up to me and says, you know, they'll say something like, all I need is the Bible to understand the Bible. That's absolutely not true. Um, the Bible is not a book. It's a library. And it has several different books by several different writers throughout a long period of time and one of the reasons why I believe it to be the word of the Lord is because of the consistency and the common thread all the way through written about the same thing by guys that never met each other um, it's not coincidence they was hearing from the father and it is a beautiful thing to be able to really understand the scripture and to do so you need history Everybody say history. There's a lot of things that you would not understand in the scripture if you do not understand your history. For instance, in Matthew 24, I'm going to do some teaching here tonight. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, look at these stones. He's pointing to the temple. He says, upon these stones, none of them will be left upon another. Then the next verse down, the disciples ask Jesus, tell us the sign of the time. Most people think that's talking about a rapture. It has nothing to do with the rapture. They're not asking about when we're going to be sucked up into the sky 2,000 years later. They was talking about, tell us when this temple's coming down. That's what was happening. How do we know that? Because everything Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, he said, pray that your flight, your flight, not you're going up, but when when it's time to get out of Judea, he says, pray that it is not on the Sabbath. If Matthew 24 was talking about a rapture, why would they have to pray that it doesn't happen on the Sabbath? He says, woe to the pregnant woman during this time. Why would a woman have to fear being pregnant because of a rapture? She doesn't. Why? Because they're talking about a rapture in Matthew 24. It's talk. He's, Jesus is trying to tell them, listen, there's a time coming when Rome is going to come in and they're going to kill everybody. They're going to destroy the temple. Why do we know this? Because in the year 70 AD, that's exactly what happened under the emperor Nero. And they came in and they sacked the temple. Jesus said, get out of Judea. Run. And in Israel, their porches are on the, the roof. Not, not like our houses to where... We have a front porch. Their porches are on the roof. He said, if you're on your porch, do not go down and try to get your cloak. He's saying, run for your life. Why? Because they're coming to kill you. We already know this is true because even in the time of Jesus, Rome had already infiltrated Israel. Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, who was a Roman apostle. Apostle is not a spiritual term. It simply means sent one. It's delegated authority. And he was a Roman governor or an apostle. And Jesus stood before him. They had already come in and started to take things over even in the time of Christ. Why did I say all that? 
Because if you just read the scripture, you're not going to understand what's really happening contextually there. You have to do your research. And so we have to get back to a time to where pastors are teaching the word of God again. To where it's not just about get your best life now. It's you and I understanding how the gospel affects our lives every day. What are positionally what is positionally true of me by the spirit? How does that affect me? What is the stance that I should be taking? It's not about just getting your next promotion at your job and having the car you want, the house you want. That's all good. God wants to have life in that more abundantly. But the gospel is much deeper than what we can grab with our fingers. Amen, somebody? God doesn't want you rich and you're poor in your soul, man. So we have to have teaching again in the body of Christ. And I'm feeling compelled to go back over the basics so that we understand our Bible. Amen, somebody? So I want to get in this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And that passage in Malachi, Pastor Tim, what was that? Uh, 4 and 6. Uh, can you read that for me real quick? Malachi 4 and 6, before we go to 1 Corinthians 14 here and we get in depth on what the prophetic really is. I want to give you a passage here. And this is really, really important in, in, in Malachi. This is Old Testament, right? Uh, but there was a prophecy that was given, and it was talking about what was going to happen in the New Testament. Now, this is important because after Malachi, from Malachi to Matthew is 400 years of silence. Okay, you can flip a page, but that's not how that was done historically. There was 400 years to where there was no voice of God in the earth. All right? And so when you get to Matthew, it's completely different now because the word that was God is now with us. So look at Matthew, uh, Malachi here. Watch what he says. Here's the, here's the prophecy. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children right. and their hearts of the children to their fathers mm. so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Right there. So here is the prophecy that one thing is going to happen in the days Ahead of them is that the hearts of the father is going to be restored back to the children and the children back to the father. Now, we see that come to pass in the life of Christ because what he does is he begins to bridge the unity from the father's heart back to our heart. From our heart back to father's. He was the ultimate restorative figure in the New Testament. And so this is something that's really, really important. So... This is what's interesting about this. Here's a prophetic word, but on the other side of the prophetic word is 400 years of nothing. Don't question the accuracy of what God's telling you just because nothing happens afterwards. Because when God shows you a thing, when he shows you a thing, it's up to him To bring it to pass. God's not asking you to figure things out. He's asking you to trust him. God's prophetic word is coming from his. It's not something he sees in the future. It's something he's living. God is living in every moment. He's with you now, but he's also with you tomorrow. He's living in every moment. He doesn't look ahead. He is ahead. So when he speaks to us, it's coming from a reality he's standing with you in. He's just giving you a glimpse at how things are going to transpire in your days ahead. Prophetic ministry is something that a lot of people are scared to talk about. And let's be honest, in the church world, prophetic ministries bring out wacky people. I've seen some stuff, y'all. I'll never forget, and you know I like to be funny and tell some stories, so I got a good one for you here. I was in uh, the Ohio, at this time I was leading worship for this church, and big church, about 5,000 people. And this little old secretary, little white lady, man, she was just small and petite. And one day, the the staff always, (laughs) my wife's seen this, this sanctuary seats 5,000, it's huge. And they always wanted the staff to get up before the sun was up. And we're all in the sanctuary praying. Well, this lady walks in with this shofar that was bigger than she was. 
I don't know where she got that mug. It, it, this thing was huge. And now if, how many know what a shofar is? Now, how many have ever tried to blow a shofar? You have to have the wind of the Holy Spirit. Because when I tell you that thing is, it is all your diaphragm, stomach muscles, just to get a little. And the thing is, in the Old Testament, they wouldn't go to war until somebody blew it. So some of us would have never seen a fight because you ain't getting no sound out of that thing. (laughs) Like, come on, we're ready to go. The thing sounds defeated. <laughs> and I'll never forget, her name was Debbie, and she grabbed this big thing, and she just got up and prophesied to everybody in the state. When God said, when I blow this thing this morning, that God's given us all victory in the name of Jesus. And man, she actually had me. I'm like, yeah, let's go. She pulled that thing out, y'all. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't, is that, is that it? Is that it? I said, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I say that because it's just a joke and it was just funny and her heart was in the right place. <laughs> just not her wind. But the reality is I've seen all kinds of streams. When you've been in it as long as I have. I've been a part of every stream. I, I can do church with anybody. We can go Kojic. We can go, uh, we can go hill songs. We can, we can run and march and dance and shout and flip. Or we can stand there like some wooden Indians and just do this the whole time in the presence of the Lord. I've been in all of it. And I know how to survive in any of it. But the prophetic ministries always bring out the wackies. And when I say, I'm going to call it that. That's my term. I'm coining that tonight. And it's a respectful term. It's just, it's the wackies. And what I mean by that is you get people that crave the supernatural so strong that they end up looking more like Harry Potter than prophetic ministry. And they do things to where they force the moment. Rather than hear from the Lord and then respond. What they do is they try to force the moment. And a lot of times, if you've ever talked with somebody who is an extremist, and and I'm going to define these terms in a second. What happens is, is you get people that um, that's all they want to do. It's just walk around giving words to everybody all the time. It's prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. And when you have a conversation with them, they're not even listening to what you're saying. Some people mistake listening with waiting to speak. Some people mistake listening for waiting to speak. You may be quiet, but you're just waiting to butt in. You're not hearing. You're not taking in what's being said. Amen? And so... It's a forceful thing, and it feels forceful. It feels forceful. I actively try to get away from those type of people. If you ever see me doing a church finger and I'm like this, this is because I'm sensing something. I love prophetic ministry, but it has to be done the right way. There is a humongous, humongous demand in the earth right now for spiritual gifts to emerge. It has to. We are at a point right now to where the world is not going to believe anything unless it is divinely God. We have bore an image of Christ, but we have lost the likeness. And it's one of these things to where I truly, genuinely believe that we have now entered into a place Just like the scripture says that all creation is groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God. The manifestations of the sons of God. It's groaning for it. I I, I, I find it funny that when Jesus, scripture talks about his sonship all the time, that he he was the pattern son as Revelation coins it. That he's the pattern son. Notice that there was no earthquakes while he walked the earth, but as soon as he died, it was an earthquake. Creation went back into groaning. Something about his sonship satisfied the earth. And as soon as he 
said it is finished and gave up his spirit. Earthquake. There was a groaning that came back into the earth. I believe one of the things that is happening in the body of Christ right now is there has to emerge in uh, spiritual gifts. And what's going to be so awesome about our journey with this is you guys are going to start feeling the prophetic, the giftings that God has called you to. You're going to start feeling God pull on that. And the thing that I love about God, the thing that I love about God, and this is how I learned the prophetic ministry. I would test stuff out when I was really wanting to hear the voice of the Lord and learn what he sounded like. I would test it out. If God gave me a word, I say, I feel like the Lord is saying this. Now, sometimes I was dead on. Other times I was way off. But it taught me to study myself. Say, well, I was off there. But then I would go analyze, how did I get off? Where did I miss it? What was I leaning to that made me think that could have been God? And then I, I make demarcations. I'm on a journey with learning the Holy Spirit. And then pretty soon you start to get accustomed to the voice of God and the leading of God. And then you start stepping out. I'll, I'll never forget, and, and I told this story before, when I first met Pastor Tim, we was traveling in Flint. And uh, he's learning the gifts of the Holy Spirit to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we, we, we were starving, went to Subway. I felt the pulling of the Holy Spirit to give this young lady a word. But I knew Tim did too. I could feel it. Well, we was the only customers in there at first, and somebody came in, and then they left. And then we're just standing there, and t- Tim is, you know, he ain't saying nothing at this moment. Well, the, the young girl goes and locks the door, and we're the only ones in there with her now. The door is locked. So I finally turned to Tim and said, man, you going to do this or what? And, and, and it hit him like a ton of bricks because God was giving him the opportunity to be able to speak into her life by the Spirit. But I could sense the pulling of God wanting to use him on it. And so it was a learning experience now, and it's something to where he's obviously how many Pastor Tim has been a blessing to a lot of us, the spirit, you know, and, and it was a learning curve. But that's what I love about the Holy Spirit. It's not a possession flowing in the prophetic ministry is not you coming into a possession like God says that's not how this works. God, when he's teaching you his voice, he will give you his heart. If you do not have his heart, you will always be irresponsible with his words. Come on now. Look at what it says. For he will restore the what? The hearts of the fathers back towards the children. And the hearts of the children back towards the father. This is why it is imperative to steward our hearts the right way. Above all else... With all diligence, guard the heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. Guard it. Amen. So let's get into this. 1 Corinthians 14. Y'all ready? Look at this. Let's read, Pastor Tim. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Right there. Now, this is something that you need to, to... to really pay attention to here, because there's a lot of teaching in this. Notice why Paul put desire spiritual gifts after pursuing love. He didn't say desire spiritual If you hear that part scream at you, and you hear pursue love as a whisper, something's wrong. Why is Paul bringing up love first, gift second? Because he's dealing with a Corinth church that absolutely is not walking in love. This Corinth church was very gifted, and they had all kinds of stuff going on in this church, guys. It was a very, very fleshly church. And Paul was trying to bring correction to this church, and he didn't want to 
to, to stifle what they was doing as far as the giftings of the Holy Spirit. He was just trying to make sure that he would give them teaching that would correct some of the nature that was going on in their hearts. Because if you have a desire to prophesy more than you have a desire to love somebody, you have not got Christ working in that. Amen, somebody. I, I, I said something the other day that you without sin cast the first stone. Then it says, go and sin no more, right? If go and sin no more sticks out to you more than don't throw the stone, you may be religious. And by the way, go and sin no more is not even in the original Greek there. That was added. It's what stands out to us. We have to see sons regularly visit their motives. We always should be checking in on our heart to say, am I doing this from the right place? Amen, somebody. So watch this here. Let's, let's read. So pursue love. Yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Now, we do some stuff in the American church. Can I just get raw here tonight? We do some stuff in the American church that is not biblical, especially in our form of worship. Walking around, speaking in tongues, um, Paul would not have agreed with that the way we do it in church. Why? It's not because it's heresy or blasphemy. It's not a sin issue. It just doesn't edify the body. I don't know what your shundai means. Whatever your, you know, your go-to is. I don't know what that means. It's doing nothing for me. Paul said, I would rather that you prophesy. Why? Because it builds the body. They know what you mean. Right. Now, we're going to get into this, but there's some showing us some stuff we do in church that is not a biblical model for how we're supposed to do church. So watch here. But speaks to men. Let's read it again. The one who prophesies. The one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Okay, everybody write this down if you're taking notes. I want to make sure you get this. Prophecy speaks to our spirit before our future. Before it ever gets to your future, it starts with your spirit, man. Okay, I want you to write that down because we're going to build on that here in a second. All right, so let's go back here just for a sec because there's a lot in this. Go back to that same one, back up to uh, where we just left off. Did we back up there? Okay, let's read one more time, Pastor Tim. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. Now, this is why Paul said to pursue earnestly... Spiritual gifts. Earnestly. We do not pursue gifts so that we find, we don't find our identity in the gifts. Are you catching this? So when you meet somebody that won't answer to you unless you call them prophets so and so, they have not earnestly desired the gift. They've earnestly trying to fix how they feel about themselves through a title. That's not how this works. You are not prophet so-and-so. Paul was not the apostle Paul. He was Paul and apostle. It's different. It kills me people that don't, won't respond because of the time. You call Jesus by his first name. And you won't respond unless I put a title in front of yours? Somewhere down the line... We have lost what it means to earnestly or sincerely pursue the gifting. So this is very important. So I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. Here's one. Just stand up, just real quick. Tiff, stand up real quick. This is how prophecy works. Because I, I want to. I'm trying to teach the basics of what this looks like. So I want I want you to prophesy to, to Tiffany just for a second. Now watch, someone say, how can you do that? Easy. Very easy. 
I could give everybody in here a word right now from the Lord. It doesn't have to be, I see, you know, tomorrow at this time, blah, blah, blah. That's not how that works. Okay? Prophecy simply is edifying your brother. And here's the beautiful thing about it. When you start out with the heart to want to build. So come over here just real quick. Watch this. I want you to just build her right now. And then, and then watch how this works. It's something that you, you feel or see or sense. Tiff, your heart. Um, your heart is big. And the love that you give to other people is healing and restorative for them. Um, and the maybe sometimes or often there's a struggle there just to keep you from being the giver of love and healer that you are. Keep your heart free and clear so that God can do what he wants to do within you and through you. Right. So that's prophetic. Does that confirm? Yes. See, it's prophetic. She started with building her something very simple. Now, if you noticed when she started doing it, more insight started coming. Some of you are not speaking because you, you say, I can't see it. Well, that's, that ain't how that works in the kingdom. You don't see it, then speak it. You speak it, then see it. That's how that works in the kingdom. You have to, listen, there was a conversation Peter would have never had in the boat. There's certain things Jesus ain't going to talk to you about until you're on the water. Because your obedience activates the spirit of prophecy. Woo! That's how that works. It activates the spirit of prophecy. Obedience. Some of you are not speaking because you're not seeing. And again, it's the reverse in the kingdom. You start speaking, then you start seeing. And how, well, how? I don't even know what to say. It's real simple to build somebody up. You can simply, I've, I've had God use me in a way to where I'll say, I like the way you did your hair today. Jovita, you look sharp. As soon as I see that and I can see how that hits her, the insight starts just going, poof. Oh, she needed that. And then I start feeling a tugging or a pulling in a certain direction. Then it starts opening up more and more and more and more and more. That's how that works. Amen, somebody. So it's, it's. There's a lot to this, and so let, let's let's continue here. This okay tonight? Yeah. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Yeah. But one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, mm. unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. And and and, and you know, and just to bring up, you know some of the history here because the beautiful thing about living life and going on a journey with God is once you walk through it, that experience is yours forever. It's yours. I was, the church that I was just speaking of, this was a huge church and so because Paul said when a prophetic word comes forth in the New Testament, he said it should be no more than two or three. In other words, everybody ain't coming up and giving a word. Why? Well, first of all, we'll be here um, and then number two, um, it can get, it can start promoting disunity more than unity. Um, some people just want to hear themselves talk. And it's, it's one of these things to where Paul said, I got to do this. So this is how I know when Paul says pursue it earnestly. It was known to all the staff and to everybody at this church that pastor would only allow two or three. He was going by the model of Paul. My wife can tell you, at the beginning of the service, we'd open up with a song, and then they would line up on the middle, and the first two or three that got there was the one that had the word. Why was there 50 people online? Every single week. I'm like, man, you know they're cutting it off at the third person. Why are you like, maybe today's the day we go to four? Like, like I mean, baby, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I, I, I was up there flabbergasted. I just wanted to start playing the Jeopardy. Because 
Like, I'll take chaos for 400 because that's what it felt like. <laughs> it felt crazy in there. Why is that? It's laughable to us, but it's absolutely out of order. It's out of order. It's, it's laughable to us, but you got to remember, if you're in line and you know the standard for the local house is only three that's allowed, and you're standing there as the fourth, and God forbid the guy that's at 27, you can't tell me that you're earnestly desiring gifts because the sincerity part would say, I'm out of order. Which means you're trying to maybe heal your insecurities by pursuing the gifts. Which makes you dangerous. Because you'll start speaking out of your insecurities. Which makes you dangerous. And so it's when Paul says earnestly, don't just read over that real quick. Like, wait a minute. I do want to pursue it, but it's got to be earnest. Got to be very sincere. Right? Sincerity always learns from a season of being quiet. It always reaches to hear from a place of quietness when you're sincere. Because it's never wanting you never want to get out ahead of yourself from a place of insecurity. We do not use the gifts to prove to anybody our sonship. Amen, somebody. Sometimes a prophetic word is saying nothing at all. When you are walking with the Holy Spirit, your very presence shifts the room. You ever get around somebody mature in God and you wasn't really thinking about God until they got there? Why? Because there's something about their nature and their surrender that demands attention. Surrender is contagious. People who are surrendered don't fit every system. They don't engage in every conversation. Amen. This okay? So, I want to go over here real quick um, to Luke chapter 9, verse 51 and 55. Give me about 5, 10 minutes and I'll wrap this up. There's a lot into this. How many are interested in me getting deep into this, this to really teach? So, maybe I'll stay here for a few weeks. So, l- let's look at Luke 9, um, 51 and 55. Let's, let's read here. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. Mm. And he sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw this, they, this guys. they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Now, stop. Don't just read over that, y'all. This is, this is teaching right here. They were sent to go into a city. The city did not receive them. The disciples come back to Jesus and says, do you want us to call down fire? Who did that? Elijah. Elijah did that. But Elijah was an old covenant model. He's an old covenant model of prophetic ministry. You cannot say... Lord, do you want us to call it on fire? Watch what Jesus says to them. But he turned, buked them, and said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. Ooh. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Right there, guys. This is beautiful. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm not here to, 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 to send fire down on them because they didn't receive me. See, when you are of a new covenant heart... You realize that you no longer have enemies, only assignments. Hear me? Y'all catch this? You have no enemies. This, these, this, this culture has got us so jacked up, guys. If you got a shirt that says half hood, half holy, burn it. 
Because there ain't, there, ain't, there ain't nothing about being in Christ. His very nature is to lay down his life. You, you might as well get a shirt that says, I'm half flesh, half spirit. No, 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 you're all flesh. That don't make no type of sense. And it ain't cool. It's not a good look for the body of Christ. I, I was watching on something the other day, man, and this rapper comes out and uh, everybody know who Lecrae is. Well, Lecrae says something crazy like that. And the rapper come out and said, no, dude, no, that ain't, man, don't celebrate that. We all the way spiritual. We love people like Jesus loved people. When you are growing in the kingdom, you no longer have enemies. You have assignments that Jesus loves all of them. Everybody that ever hurt you in your life, Jesus was for. Every person that ever did anything to you that you may say, when you think of them, he ain't thinking like that about them. He ain't thinking about that because he knows he was with them when they got hurt to make them what they are. And you got to remember, you're somebody's enemy. You're somebody's enemy. I used to get preachers mad back in the day. They say, she got a Jezebel. Jesus loved Jezebel too. She was a woman that was in conflict. Now, there's a type and shadow there, and I do believe in what we call a Jezebelic spirit, a, a spirit of control, manipulative type of people that like to control things um, through a fear-based understanding of, of whatever it is that they're under. But the reality is, is that the people that we view as our enemies are people that we view as adversaries. Jesus is for them. He's loving them. He's sending somebody to help position them to a place of healing. He's working just as diligent to heal them as he is you. So it is imperative to understand God is not somebody that we use like a sick him spell. Oh, they did me wrong. Sick him, Jesus. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. The nature of prophetic ministry is to restore it is to restore the hearts of the fathers back towards the children, the children back towards. We don't use prophetic ministry to call sin out in people. That is nowhere in the new covenant. That don't make no sense. And then why are you telling people they're a false prophet? We don't even judge the prophet in the New Testament. We judge the word. That's what Paul said. We judge the word. We don't judge the person. I know people that ain't living for God that's rocked my world. They a hot mess, but accurate that night. If God can use a donkey, he can use anybody. Come on. And so, so it, it, God's going to get, whatever he's trying to get you, he's going to get to you. He's going to get it to you. It's going to come through the most crazy. Some of the people you thought was in la-la land, them jokers show up sometimes with dead-on words. And it's scary. But God's heart for you he gets it to you. Now, everybody say prophetic ministry always is restorative. There's entire schools that are taught about prophetic ministry. These people pay to go to these schools and they're taught principles that are old covenant mindsets. And I want to say, just like Jesus said, you know not spirit. You know not what spirit you're of. We're not calling down fire from heaven on these people, man. I'll call down love. Agape gets people right. So look at look at this next passage here. I want to go back to 1 Corinthians 14. Let's read. Right where we left off. Do you remember that? We was in uh, in verse 4. 4, yes sir. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Yeah. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues. Now, when Paul said greater, he's not talking about you are greater than anybody else there. He's saying that prophecy is more effective in the corporate setting than speaking in tongues. So calm your shundai down. Start building some people up. Amen. It's funny that the only church that we see in the New Testament that was speaking in tongues is the Corinth church. And there's also the same church Paul said is not spiritual. 
it's very possible that most of what we do in the American church is cultural more than kingdom. We like to do church the way we like to do it. But at some point, it becomes ineffective. Amen? Amen. And we have to get back to the teachings of the gospel and do it the way it was meant to be. So watch this next part here. This is big. Watch what Paul does here. Unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. Mm. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? I had a... um... I got so much to get to on this. I'm not going to be able to get to it tonight. Years ago, I preached at a uh, Church of God camp meeting. It was a little event that we had. This was 15 years ago. Uh, and in the back, I was speaking on, I can't even remember what I was speaking on, but I knew in my heart it was absolutely a word that they needed to hear. And I was compelled to speak it so strong. Right when I got up in the back, a lady started manifesting with a demon. She's she's back there going crazy. Now everybody turned around. They start praying and all this stuff. And they was wanting to cast it out right there. And I said, stop, 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 stop. Stop. Leave her alone. She's here to distract. And their mindset was, we got to get this demon out of her. My mindset is, listen, she'll still be possessed when I get done teaching. Take one person, take her in the back. Let me teach the gospel. Come on, somebody. Because you need this word. We'll deal with that in a second. And so they got very, very, very mad. But I felt as if it was almost a Pauline anointing because Paul would be the type of person that we see in Corinthians where he says, quit doing this. I would rather you this. Why? Because this is building. Why does Paul keep using terms in the Corinthian passage about building people? Because their issue in that church was they had no unity. Because there was a lack of unity in that church, it was hindering the way they functioned as a church. And so Paul was trying to correct foundational things so that the gifts would flow from a earnest place, from a sincere place. So this is this is so huge in all of this. So let's let's re- keep reading down here, and I'm going to wrap this up here, but... Yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, mm. how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are Perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. Mm. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So also you, since you are a ze- since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray. That he may interpret. Now, do you guys catch this here? Now, see, this type of teaching doesn't make you want to get up and shout, but it grows you up. Okay? It grows you up. It brings maturity in your life. Paul said you're a zealous people, which means they are anxious to prophesy. They was anxious to do whatever they was doing, whether they were speaking in tongues or whether they was manifesting gifts or whatever it was. They was zealous to do that. Paul keeps coming back to edifying The body edifying the church, building up one another in the most holy faith. He constantly keeps doing that. Why, though? Because it is very easy for us. And I know that we got some great folk in this house, and I love you guys, and I know you love me. There's some genuine folk here. But it is. I don't think people who become disingenuine wake up one day and say, I just want to be fake today. Like, like, how do we get to a point to where we're selling miracle spring water? That sounds so crazy. Like, this dude is tripping. But how do you get to that point? Because I don't think you wake up and say, today I just want to be a fake guy. 
Today, you know, is a good day to just quit being real. How do you get to that point? Easy. You start taking steps. One, two, three, four, five, ten. To where you stop ignoring the foundations. When you, it is very easy for us to want to pursue the gifts because it seems more rewarding to our flesh. There is people that prophesy not to be heard. They're not trying to be effective to people. They're just trying to convince themselves that they're worth something. How do you get to that point? Could have been multiple reasons. Maybe you grew up in a home where you was never told you was loved and valued and, 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 and grew up with parents who never, who never embraced you. Who, um, you know, it's so important. Our upbringing plays a major role in how we live and how we see things. Because if you never told these things at the time that you need it, then what happens is you start living life trying to prove yourself. And this is what I love about Christ is that when we come into Christ, he is already well pleased. I do not have to work for this. And it is so imperative to know that foundationally so that you do not use your gift to, in, in some type of way to, to prove to your flesh that you're anything. Because it will hinder how you see things. It will hinder how you hear the voice of the Lord. It is so important that we do it from an earnest, genuine place. And so there's several steps. How many was in the house? I taught a, a whole series on how to remain authentic. Y'all remember that? That's one of my favorite series I've ever did. I did three, four weeks on how to stay authentic, how to deal um, uh, with seasons that that can affect our heart in such a way to where we become hard-hearted and then we start living life from that hard place. And it is so imperative to know that the condition of your heart will determine how you hear things by the Spirit. Your heart absolutely has to be in the right place. And so I, 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 I want to make sure that tonight I drive home the earnestly, earnestly, earnestly pursue Spiritual gifts. Why am I saying that? Because I'm telling you what I know by the spirit. Vertical encounter is not like just any other church. We are a church that is in tune with the Holy Spirit. You can go to a whole bunch of churches on Sundays and I'm not against any other church, but they're not entertaining the gifts of the spirit. They're not entertaining uh, the, the spirit realm at all. It's like life coaching with lights, camera and action. When we come to the house of the Lord here. How many can say there's been times when you came in here, the Holy Spirit was all in your stuff, right? Because this house is a house to where we want our thumb on the pulse of God. We want to figure out what the Holy Spirit's saying and then go into that direction. If you're in this house, I believe it's because God's trying to get you familiar with the spirit realm. It's not about just coming and singing your favorite song. It's about getting in contact with the spirit realm, growing in that, allowing God to use you as a vessel so that he can demonstrate his heart to the people. The beauty about prophetic ministry is it's, it's not even really for the believer. It's for the unbeliever, Paul said. When people come in and they say, I don't know if I believe in all this, and then they get a word coming straight from the heart of the Lord. My wife the other day uh uh, Derek, he, he's not here tonight, um, but the first time he came, Shawnee gave him a word up here about what somebody passed or some. She saw, she, what was it? A street vision? Yes, it was something very accurate that, I don't know what she just said, but it was accurate. Oh. Anyway, what? What? I thought you said a street vision. I got you. But it was so accurate. Derek hits me up on the way home. He says, man, I've never told nobody that. Well, the beauty thing, beautiful thing about it, he's been coming ever since. Why? Because when you encounter that type of ministry... That you know you didn't tell nobody nothing, and God still said, man, blah, 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 blah. 
you say, there ain't no way in the world she could have made that up. Why? And that, baby, come up here. I'm going to murder whatever you're saying. So pretty much I, when I was standing up here, I saw him at a street vigil. And I don't know why Pastor Gill don't know what a street vigil is since he's from Flint where they have them every other day. <laughs> people be murdering people up in Flint. But, but I, I saw him. It's a, it was a, earnestly pursued to know what a street vigil is. Okay, praise the Lord. But... I saw him at a street vigil, and I just talked about it and told him what I saw. And I just remember telling him what the Lord said. And to add to what Pastor Gill was saying, when he said, you don't have to know the whole thing, because sometimes we want to know the whole thing. And that is very risky to say, I see you here. And what if he said, I ain't never been at, you know, because that's what you fear someone saying, but I know what I saw and I saw him there. And then I had to leave the word. But I remember saying, whoever this was that died was such a significant death. And that's when your heart shifted. And that's when he broke down and started crying. And I just ministered the word and left it. And I just remember asking Devon, who died? Devon didn't know who died. Pastor Gill didn't know who died. I just asked the two people I know that knew him, and I said, well, I just got to leave it at that. Well, that's when he came to Pastor Gill and said, something has been, like, making me wonder. He said, I don't know how you would have known that. And I said, well, no one. He said, last Saturday was the anniversary of my best friend's death. So the night he came was the night... That was the anniversary of that person's death, and that was the only street vigil he'd been to. So here it was. He was like, I don't know how you would have known that. And then that was my opportunity to tell him, this is how God works. This is who he is. That was prophetic ministry. It is not me being a palm reader. The Lord revealed that because he loves you, you know, so yeah. And it's, it's, it's what it does, though, and listen, guys, what it does is it opens people up to understanding the realness of God. We're not just sitting here going through church. God is real, and he will speak to people. And some prophetic words are accurate. They may not, you may not bear witness with them all the time. That's just because you are not in a place to where you can envision what God is trying to show you. Sometimes we are in a season of blindness. And a prophetic word will come be like, I don't feel that. And then you look up the next month and say, oh, my Lord, it came. Just like what God said, because of how it, the, the nature of prophetic ministry isn't just to declare a thing. It's also to draw you into it. It's magnetic. And so it is very, very important. And I, I, I want to declare over this house. As a matter of fact, just stand up with me here. We're getting ready to wrap this up. But I want to declare over the house tonight. Um, matter of fact, if you can't, just, just slip your hands up. Father, we just thank you for your presence tonight. Father, we thank you for uh, the house, this people that is here tonight.